0: The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Past, uh, past Resurrection Sunday a couple of weeks, so we're going to work up towards that uh, Resurrection Sunday, which is uh, seven weeks away from the day, Easter Sunday, and then we'll go on in. So we got about nine, ten weeks of, of this topic. Guess who's coming to dinner? Uh, but today I want to talk about hospital food. And uh, over in Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to be. And, and Jesus teaches us something from an emergency room. And you just bear with me this morning. We, uh, the place that we think of as diseased or sickness or illness, injury, germs, whatever. Most of us uh, would like to avoid those places completely. Now, we have several nurses here, and then that's part of your job. But for the, the, the majority of people, we'd just rather not be there. We'd just rather not be at the, at the sick ward, and, and Jesus uh, goes here, and he really goes to a sick ward, and, and he, not only is he at this sick ward, he goes there to eat a meal. Uh, so I want us to think about the, the, the intimacy of a meal. Is there anything more intimate than a meal? I mean, I was thinking about every known culture uh, has something happen around a meal, and and it's more than simply eating. There's uh, conversations goes on around meals. There's relaxation goes on around meals. There's there's uh, relationships developed among, uh, around meals. You know, most of us probably when you when you saw your your mate and you thought, hey, I would go out with her, or, I would go out with him. Where did you end up? You ended up somewhere eating a meal, didn't you? Because that's kind of what our culture does, and. The invitation to someone's house to eat a meal, that's kind of a, a picture that you've been accepted. You know, we don't just go and invite strangers to our house unless we want to get to know them or we want to build a relationship with that, that person or that family. So, so to, to say, hey, I'm going to invite you over. I want you to come to my house. I want you to have a meal with me. Then, then that's really something that we can, we can understand. Uh, this is a, an intimate minute. This is a time that, that there's going to be more than food but there's going to be a time that we're going to visit, we're going to get to know one another, we're going to talk about certain things, and, and uh, it's more than just a, a come to my house, real formal, it may even be a formal dinner, which I don't particularly like, but uh, it, it's something to, to come into my home and, and take my invitation and be a part of my life. And that's really what meals are. So in Luke chapter 5, we're going to read in just a moment. Why did Levi, and that's who we're going to read about, Levi, the tax collector, invite Jesus to his table? Uh, why did Jesus receive an invitation to even be there? Why was he even invited to come and be a part of that? Because Levi is a tax collector. And we're going to talk a lot about that this morning. So Levi is a tax collector. And what did Jesus give Levi that he valued so much that he kind of went to a stranger, Jesus, and said, Hey, I want you to come. I want you to partake at a meal at my house. So Jesus offered him something, and, and it's something he didn't already possess. And we need to understand, and I'll go over this again, that, that tax collectors, they were rich people. And I'll tell you why in just a minute. So, so more valuable than anything else he possessed for himself, Jesus offered him something that he said, Hey, I want you to come. I want you to partake at a meal at my house because you've offered me something and I want to know more about it. So let's consider the, the passage that we have at hand here. And in, in Luke chapter 5, and we're going to go down to verse 27. So Luke chapter 5, verse 27, it starts this after this. Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up and he left everything and he followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of collectors came. He invited these people over and there were others there who came to be a part of this large banquet and they were eating there with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to Jesus' disciples, Why do you eat or why does he eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? In verse 31, Jesus answered them. He said, It is not the sick who need a doctor, but the sick. And I've not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. So we kind of jumped in the middle of this passage. We just picked up this narrative that Jesus is is leaving. He's, he's leaving a home that needed some serious roof repair. Because right, what happens right before this is Jesus is in a home and he's teaching... And all of a sudden there's some some plaster starts falling from the season, ceiling and some dust starts falling from the ceiling. ceiling. And, and I was wiring a house for a guy one time. I went to church with him and he was a builder and he was doing an add-on. He said, hey, will you come wire this for me? And I went and looked at it and I said, yeah, I can do that. And uh, he was trying to save a little money, and I was trying to make a little money, and uh, I got in the attic, and it was dark up there, and I was not as big as I was now, and I was creeping through there, and I got over the the bedroom, and I was standing there, and my foot slid off the the, the rafter. Does anybody know what happens when that happens? Sheetrock won't hold you up, you know so so I stepped through the to uh, the roof in the bedroom and I knocked a piece of sheetrock off that was probably that big around, and there was dust and spiders and insulation and everything you can imagine fell down through and landed on these people's beds and His name was Paul Thompson and i and uh he said, "Did you fall through the roof in there?" <laughs> And I said, no, but I stepped through the roof. <laughs> he said, oh, don't worry about it. He never asked me to wire anything else for him. So I guess that was probably his prophet went right through the, the roof. But, but Jesus is there, and, and imagine that. Somebody's, the, the, the plaster starts falling and dust starts falling. We all start looking up and saying, what's going on? And all of a sudden there's a hole appears there, and, and then there's a man starts being let down through that hole. And we're all thinking, what in the world is going on? And, and Jesus is coming from that scene. If you know that scene, if you don't, you can back up and read it right here. And, and there's a paralyzed man, and Jesus uh, sees him there, and he looks at him, and he says, "'Your f- friend, your sins are forgiven.'" As he looked at that, Matthew Luke 5.20. And, and now saying that, your sins are forgiven, and that actually removing a person's sins, there's a big difference there. And, and who can do that? And, and because Jesus said those words, the people around him got riled up. They were like, who is this guy? He thinks he can forgive somebody their sins. He thinks he can cancel somebody's sins. And, and while they're having this conversation, uh, everybody's looking, and they can't argue about it too much because there was a paralyzed man that was let down through the roof, and all of a sudden he's up dancing the jig. So even the Pharisees, they can't say much about that. But they say, who does this, this guy think he is? And, and Jesus kind of slips away during that conversation. They're there, they're talking, they're, they're discussing. And, and Jesus, as he slips away, he goes down to the city gates. And as he's going down to the, the city gates, there's a place uh, uh, there, a man named Levi. And he's sitting there in a little tax booth. You know, just a, a little booth there. And, and as he's sitting there, this area around the gate, it's quiet on this day because people understood where tax collectors set their booths, uh, booths up and, and most of the locals knew those certain areas and, and they, they knew when the tax collectors were around and they just tried to avoid them. Now, during this time, Rome was a great, large empire. I mean, they were the greatest and they were the largest that, that had ever stood and they was multifunctional. In other words, they had good roads, that, that Rome, they had good roads, they had beautiful cities, they had well-fed armies that were powerful and, and all of these things, but, but that, that well-oiled machine, it had to have fuel, and for the Romans, that fuel was taxes. So they would tax people, and if a region didn't pay their taxes, they would get a visit from some of those soldiers saying, hey, we're not being fed because y'all aren't coming up with the taxes. So that's what's happening. Now, tax collectors for the Romans, uh, they, they considered a tax collector below their level of Roman citizenship. In other words, the Romans said, we're not going to go tax, collect taxes I mean, we're we're above all of that stuff. So what they would do is they would come out, they would come to a city and they would they would kind of assess that city and they'd say, okay, this is going to be, this city has this much tax base. We kind of sounds like us today, doesn't it? This city has this much tax base. We need somebody to go collect these taxes. And and a lot of times it was those, it was Jewish citizens. Remember, they're living under Roman rule. So these Jewish citizens they would say, "Hey, I'm going to bid on this job." And they would bid on the job and and the, whoever bid the most got the job. So it would be like if somebody came down to Charleston and they they looked around, they drove up and down the streets and they checked everything out and they said, "Okay, we think that that there's a $100,000 worth of taxes here." And I and I say, "Okay, I'll I'll collect those for five thousand dollars. And and Roy says, well, I'll collect them for ten thousand dollars. Well, they said, okay, Roy, you're a tax collector now. We're going to let you go and you're going to collect and we want our one hundred thousand dollars. So that was his job to go collect. Now, that sounds reasonable, doesn't it? I mean, even Jesus said we have, to, we have to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. We have to pay taxes. And so we looked, they, they assessed, and, and, and that's pretty good. But here's where the problem comes. What the tax collector did is the tax collector, he would go and he would say, okay, here's the taxes. Now, we wouldn't know what Rome said. We wouldn't have an idea, so, so the tax collector would say, okay, you're between the ages of 12 and 65, so here's a tax that Rome said you have. It's a, it's a poll tax, both men and women, so if you were between the ages of 12 and 65 years old, basically it was a tax because you're breathing Roman air. So the tax collector, he, he says, if you're alive, then you have to pay this tax. There was also something called a ground tax, which required a one-tenth of all the grain and one-fifth of all the oil, and all of those things would be submitted to Rome. That was a tax they had. There was a, uh, On top of this, there was a, an income tax, and anyone who, who had any kind of income, they had to pay a certain percentage to Rome. Then there was a road tax, so anyone who walked down the roads in Rome, they had to pay a certain percentage to Rome just to use the roads. If you didn't walk on the roads, it was tough. It was your choice, but you still paid that tax for using the roads. There was a, a harbor tax and a to use the marketplace, you had to pay a tax. And, and there was also a, a, a road system. If you were on the road and you had a cart, there was a cart tax. And if you had animals pulling your cart, there was an animal tax. And if you purchased anything, there was a tax on everything everything you purchase. So all of those ways, Rome had asked Caesar, hey, here's the taxes, and, and here's what we're going to collect on, and we're going to turn this over to the tax collector. So it would go something like this. Now, this is not out of the Bible. This is simply what it would go, something like this. We can pick someone in here. I, won't, I don't want to call anybody out. Always, everybody kind of looks down when they start calling names, but, but we could pick somebody. Jared? Stand up for just a minute. And you don't have to stay standing, but Jared's dressed pretty nice today, isn't he? Some nice clothes. Did your wife, did your wife pick those out for you this morning? No. <laughs> okay, well, you match pretty good, Why about your socks. I've got on purple today. Did anybody notice that? Yeah. I'm supporting so purple. looks good, doesn't it? Amen. Yeah. Dana, you, like yeah, you like it? Your daughter didn't like it. So, so uh so I'm the tax collector and I look at Jared and I say, Well, Jared, you're dressed pretty nice. So I'm gonna tax you 15% on your dress. And and then uh if you're dressed like that, you must have some means. So you must be making some pretty good money. So I'm gonna tax you 10% on your earnings, and you can be seated now, don't sit on Andy. Uh but <laughs> but just just think about this, okay. So he make a pretty good income ta- income, so I, I think I'm gonna tax Jared on his income also. Now I'm the tax collector, I can do that. So uh, you have a a pretty slick looking chariot out there, Silk, gold. He has a gold chariot. If y'all haven't seen it, and and uh, don't you have a gold? How many horses has that thing got? What seven point three liter? A bunch of horsepower. So his cart. Hey, you got a four-wheel drive cart out there? I think it's it's probably worth uh, eighty dollars worth of taxes and hundred and ten horses. I mean, that's a lot of tax for your for your using those horses. And do what? About got it. Okay. Well, we're not through yet. So, uh, you 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 multiply all that. Don't forget, there's a twelve hundred dollar poll tax that Rome requires, and and not only that, poll tax. Uh, there's a tax for air quality that you're breathing. So so that comes out to about eighty bucks a year, and and uh, so we have eighty bucks a year, and then uh, we have another uh, four hundred dollars a year. So your taxes are five hundred eighty dollars. Well, wait a minute. That don't add up. You know, if I've got four, and, and uh, did you all ever watch, uh, uh, what is it, The Shakiest Gun in the West, and the, the guy says, uh, here's what you owe, and Don Knox goes, oh, I don't think that's right. You know, and he starts looking, and then the guy says, Doing to the child." And he starts kissing his thing. Go, okay, okay, okay. Well, that's kind of what we have here. You know, here we are. Uh, who are you going to appeal to? So you say, well, I don't think those are right. And, and uh, so the tax collector says, well, wait a minute. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm adding this up, and, and actually I missed this. This is a Sunday, so there's a 10% tax for me having to work on my day off. And I missed that a while ago, and not only that, uh, since it's a discounted day, I'm going to charge you three extra percent to receive a discount of 10%. And so I'm going to give you this 10% discount, but it's going it's to really cost you 3% because I'm giving you a discount, so your taxes have added up to $3,300 now. So I just need to go ahead and collect that. And, and you say, well, I don't have that kind of money. Well, I can stretch it out over 52 weeks, but it's going to be 40% interest if I do that. So go ahead and and I'm going to give you uh, 52 weeks to pay that. But meantime, I'm going to go ahead and take your chariot because I have to collect something today. See how it just snowballed? And, and as it just snowballed, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to charge you this 40% interest and, and this 3% discount, but it's going to cost you 10%. And, and they just came up with all of these different ideals. At the end of the day, man, they're just stealing stuff. You know, I brought a, I brought a cart with 110 horse behind it, and, and I left her with a, two, just a two-wheel cart with one horse because the tax collector took everything else. There's nothing I can do about it. So get the picture. What did people think of tax collectors? They hated them. Man, they ain't nothing but thieves. They're just a bunch of thieves. And you know what Rome wanted? They wanted $100,000. If I could collect 300000 I got 200000 for me. Because Rome didn't care as long as they got their $100,000 they wanted. So anything was legal... For that tax collector. So the tax collectors, that's, that's why they were hated. Not only did they collaborate with the Romans, not only were they in, in the Romans' bed with them, but, but they were there among the people and they were cheating them. And as they were cheating them, there was, there was nowhere to go. There was nowhere to turn. You simply paid those taxes or that tax collector would just call up the Roman army and go, Hey, there's a guy, Jared lives down here. He won't pay his taxes. So the next thing you know, he's getting a knock on the door saying, hey, we're from Rome. We heard you won't pay your taxes. So there was nowhere to turn. There was nowhere to go. So as everybody looked at Levi, they saw a thief. They saw someone who they truly hated. But when Jesus looked at him, he saw something more. See, he looked at Levi, and he didn't see the sin. He, he didn't see the sickness. He didn't see the things that maybe the world saw. Jesus saw Levi, not a thief and a, and a scoundrel. He, he, he looked at him, and he said, This man needs a doctor, and, and he needs a doctor, and I'm going to go into the sick ward, and, and as I go into the sick ward, I'm going to see if I can bring some healing. When Jesus saw him, he loved him. He didn't condemn him. He didn't look down on him. He he didn't see a man that was bent on on extorting money from someone. He he simply looked and said, He has a terrible disease. And in this terrible disease he has, I want to bring some healing. I want to see what I can do. So Jesus stepped forwards and he he offers a a healing for him. He, He offers him this medicine. He says in verse 528, Hey, Levi, follow me. And in a heartbeat, Levi immediately, he gets up and he leaves all that he has. And, and he gave more than Peter and John. I mean, think about Peter and John. It says they got up and left their, no, their nets and their boats. What did they have? They had something to come back to. Matter of fact, if you go study their lives, they went back after Jesus and his death and his resurrection, between that time, they went back to fishing. They said, well, you know, he's gone now. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go from here? So, but, but not for Levi, because if you ever quit the Roman government, you never got the job back. They're like, okay, you're going to quit us? We're cutting you off, man. You're not, you're not welcome back. You're, not gonna, you're never going to get this job. So, so whatever he had amassed, whatever he had gotten, he gave it all up. He said, I, I don't have anything anymore. I'm going to give everything I have that I might follow you. You know, it's kind of a myth that money can't buy happiness because money can buy happiness. I mean, that money can buy a lot of things in various forms, but a lot of times that happiness, it, it comes back and, and it's something that never brings joy within us. It never brings that, that deep abiding joy Oh, he had all the possessions you could imagine. But maybe as he sat there in that tax booth and it was quiet and it was lonely and people that saw him would avoid, oh, I don't want to go down there. That's the tax guy down there. And, and he was just sitting all alone. Maybe he began to think to himself, you know, I'm hungry for Peace. I'm hungry for joy. I'm, I'm rich, but I'm living in a dry, thirsty land. And because I'm in a dry, thirsty land, I'm really hungering deep within for something. And, and when Jesus came and he looked at Levi and he realized he was hungering for something, he realized he was thirsting for something, Jesus simply said, Levi, follow me. And Jesus gave him something that can't be bought with any price. So why did Levi invite his friends to be there? Over in Luke chapter 5, 29 and 30, we find ourselves kind of looking over Levi's table, and I want us to think about the spread that he must have had, everything that imaginable, all kinds of delicacies has been cooked to perfection. There's candlelights flickering. Maybe there's uh, something like you'd look at at a photo, and and friends are there, and acquaintances are there, and they're smiling, and they're laughing, and they're gathered around the table, and they're just thinking about all of these these good things they have there. there. There are tax collectors from all over the region. They're all just like him. And they're saying, man, Levi has thrown a party. But as he's throwing a party, he, he's thinking about... They, they've got to be thinking about, look at all of these boxes... Look at this stuff that's, that's boxed up that's for sale. That, that, it's stuff that's, that's there that we can't figure it out. Some of it says, take me home, I'm free. Some of it says, hey, I've got to send this back. Some of it says, hey, I've got this stuff completely discounted. See, he's got all these friends gathered around there, but there's got to be a little chat going on in the background Said, hey, what's up with Levi? Have, have you seen all this stuff? I mean, it looks like he's fixing to have an auction. It looks like he's going to have a garage sale. He's got all these nice things. And what I want us to do this morning, just with our imagination, would you listen, and let's kind of listen in to what may have been happening as those friends of Levi's gathered around that area. So what's the deal with Levi? Why the big party? Why the big giveaway? Haven't you heard this is Levi's going away party? He's quitting the business, going out on the road with this guy, Jesus why would he do that? What's he getting out of the deal? <laughs> I don't know. It seems a little foolish to me. The guys gotta think about retirement. No one lives forever. Who is this Jesus character anyway? Well that's the question of the hour. Everyone's asking. But one thing's for sure, he is a tax collector's nightmare. He doesn't have two denarii to rub together. He doesn't have a home or land or a beast of burden, just two feet in a heartbeat. Well, he seems happy. But the way he's getting rid of all this stuff, there's no way he'll ever get it back at the prices he's selling it for. He'll be hard-pressed to live for more than a year on the income from this stuff. (laughs) He's not even keeping the money. He's selling off his own property to pay off the Roman assessment for the year. When he's done, done (laughs) he'll have nothing. But look at him. Something's different. But what? He seems to laugh a lot? (laughs) Levi's always been quick to laugh a lot, though. Yeah, he's relaxed. Really relaxed. I'd say... (laughs) He's always been a little relaxed, but I see what you're saying. I think it must be something different, though. It's like he has some sort of peace, as if he knows. Well, I think I trade what I have for whatever he has, too. Oh, look, it's Tommy. Thank y'all. I, I, I spung it on the last minute. Can you see that scene? Can you see that happening at, at Levi's house? The the tax collector, he, he has these folks gathered around there. And I had to be saying, what's up with this? I mean, I, I, he's going to leave all this? He's he's selling all this stuff on on a huge discount. He's fixing to give it away. How many of us would say that? How many of us would say, man, did you hear about so-and-so there? They're going to the mission field. Man, that guy's too old to do that. He's got to think about retirement. He needs to think about himself. He, he needs to think about his future. Man, you, he can't give that up. I mean, how many, we, we can see that. I can relate. I can see myself saying that. Man, what, what in the world's he thinking? He's going to give all of this up? But see, Jesus offered something even more. Why did Jesus set, accept the invitation? Now, I've kind of had three points, believe it or not. This is the third. Why, why did Jesus accept the invitation? As, as he sits there and, and Levi welcomes him in, and, and I can picture this. Levi, Levi turns to Jesus, and, and he has his friends there, and it's time to eat, and, and this man they've never met. They've never seen, they maybe heard about him. There's been a little buzz about him and, and they see this man and, and the conversation kind of turns to Levi. And Levi says, hey, I want to introduce you to somebody who made a change in my life. He, he changed me beyond what I could ever imagine. And as that conversation was there and they're talking, I'm sure there was some that was probably just kind of squirming around saying, oh, brother, I've got into some kind of goofy meal here and he's going to try to, he's this kind of religious freak guy and and that's where we're afraid we're going to be, aren't Aren't we? We're afraid somebody's going to look at us and go, (laughs) hey, one of them religious nuts. You know, we're kind of afraid of that, aren't we? But that wasn't Levi. He he said, hey, friends, come over, tax collectors, come over. We're going to have a huge meal, and I want to introduce you to this person, this person that you've never met. But while we were having this conversation, and and as they were in this room and Levi was explaining about this man Jesus, here's a there's a conversation going on outside and maybe the 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 arguments carrying on through the window and and this group of people hear somebody says who is this guy that would sit in there and eat with thieves and robbers and you're going to follow him and and can you imagine what the group must have thought If you fit into that category and all of a sudden the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they're sitting outside the window and and they say, who is he with those thieves and those robbers in there? Don't you know the conversation got quiet? Don't you know that, that some heads begin to look down and think, oh, those are the religious leaders and they're talking to us. They're talking about us. They have Jesus' followers, and, and who is Jesus to accept that invitation? What's he even doing there in that den of thieves? I can just imagine how that conversation must have went, how it must have got quiet, how, how guilt must have came over some of those tax collectors, how some of those friends may have thought, oh, I'm, I'm associated with theirs, and here's the religious leaders of the day, and, and they're really calling Jesus out. Can you imagine one of the Pharisees just talking to Peter, saying, Look, Peter, I know we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things, but you have to agree that here's Jesus. We think he's a good teacher, too. We think he's a good man, too. But, you know, he's losing all credibility now. Peter, don't you agree with that? I mean, where would we say if we were in that conversation? Maybe we'd say, Well, he, you know, he's something about change. You change people and, you know, forgive sins and... I, but but really, was not that convi- that much conviction even in himself? Even Peter, in his own his own mind, he, he may not have been that convinced of that so much. So this conversation's going on, and these people are hearing these things, and the the, the, the the Pharisees are out with the disciples, and they're questioning the disciples, "Who do this guy think he is?" And look what Jesus says in Luke five thirty one. Can you imagine Jesus getting up from the table? maybe walking over to the window and maybe looking out the window and seeing this group of Pharisees and these other people gathered around out there and the disciples there talking and, and can't you imagine the, the room if they watch Jesus go to the window and say, well, I wonder what's going to happen. Is, is He going to condemn us? Is, what's going to happen here? Is He going to say anything? Maybe He's just going to close the shutters and, and we're going to go back to our meal. And, and what does Jesus say? He says this, Who calls a doctor... A healthy man or a sick man. He looks at the the Pharisees and he says, Who needs a doctor? I'm in the I'm at the sick ward. I'm in the emergency room. I'm here at the hospital and I'm having a meal. And and who needs me? His his the answer is redundant. Jesus continues, he says, I've come, I haven't come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. See, Jesus teaches us something right there in the, in the sick ward. Right there in the emergency room, Jesus says, you look and you're seeing a, a group of men that's a human refuge. You're seeing a, a group of men that need to be thrown in the garbage dump. But, but for Jesus, He saw a sick ward with a group of sick people that needed healing. And He said, I'm bringing that healing. I, I want to bring that to you. And, and some of the symptoms here, the, the symptoms of sin, maybe sometimes it's some shame, some embarrassment that comes along with sin. And that's one of the symptoms. Maybe, maybe we didn't realize how addictive sin would be, more so than cigarettes, more so than other things. And, and initially, finally, that shame disappears. But, but within us, over time, we, we realize that it's, it's taking us deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's lingering longer and longer and longer. And, and nights are getting longer and longer. And, and we wake up and we, we can't sleep. And we've got those things on our mind. That's kind of a symptom. Maybe sin is fatal. And, and the Bible says that. That our sin is Fable and that the wages of sin is death, and and there's a gift of God though, and it's eternal life. Those things that we can't get from medicine, those things that money can't buy, Levi looked and he realized he found them in Christ. He found healing, he found forgiveness, he found new life in Jesus Christ. And those Pharisees that were gathered there, and Jesus said, You know, who needs the Savior? The righteous, they don't need a Savior, but I've came, and I've came and I've sought out those who the world would say sinner, who the world would say, let's turn our back on, let's move on. You find yourself there in the sick ward with Jesus Christ, gathered around the table of sinners that he might bring healing. The the world would say, okay, we need forgiveness, and we can get it. All we've got to do is we need to behave rightly, raise our standards up, live a little bit better, and and our sins are forgiven. But the Bible says we have to be perfect. That's tough, isn't it? I mean, the Bible says, hey, we have to be perfect. And in our minds, all of us say, I can't be perfect. And the truth is, we can't be perfect. We're not able to be perfect, but... Jesus Christ makes us perfect. In His blood, we become perfection. And that's what God requires. See, when we try to do things on our own, we'll never be perfect. But Jesus Christ says, you know what? I can make you perfect. You know what it's called? It's called righteousness. Jesus says, I'm going to give you righteousness. I'm going to give you that right relationship with God the Father. I'm going to give you everything that's required. I think when Levi understood that, when he saw that, he said, you know what, I'll leave all of this because in Christ I found healing. Let's bow our heads together this morning. I think probably each one of us could find ourselves sometime in our history or maybe even right this moment in this story somewhere. Maybe some have met Jesus. Maybe some never have. Maybe, maybe at one time we followed, but we fell away. The Bible says He didn't leave us or forsake us. We're the ones that moved away. Maybe we find ourselves there. Maybe we find ourselves as disciples saying, you know, I'm a follower, but I don't know if my problems. Boy, they're pretty big. Why did we sing? Well, go bring them all to the table. There's nothing too big for God. Bring it all to the table even in the sick ward, even that hospital food. Bring it all to the table because that's where we find healing. That's where we find life and peace and joy. The Bible says Satan comes that he might steal those things, but Christ came that we might have life and abundant life. Bring it all to the table. Father, I pray this morning that as we consider... Those things in our life. If we could as we consider the Lord of all creation having a meal in the emergency room, that he might bring healing, hope, and life, as we consider what the world even thought, and justly so, of these tax collectors, we find that Jesus looked and and said, You know what, I see more than that. I see someone who needs a Savior. I see someone who has a sickness, and, and as he recognizes that in us, and as you recognize that in us, Father, I thank you that you don't slam the door and bar away and say sickness inside, but Father, you come and you sit with us. You come, you invite us to yourself that we might have life, in you lord i pray today that your spirit would move within us lord i pray that we would be the one that don't mind visiting that sick ward father i pray for those that are here today who are in it father i pray today that your holy spirit as you visit us where we are spiritually lord i pray today would we find healing in you that your spirit would move in this place today in the name of jesus